Welcome to the Cap Gemini North America Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. My name is Janet Pope and I am the CSR Director for the U.S. and Canada. I look forward to engaging with each of you on diversity, digital inclusion, and sustainability challenges and initiatives. Let's lead as architects of positive futures together. Welcome to another episode from our Employee Resource Group Takeover Series. This episode is brought to you by Women Lead, our North America chapter of Women at Capgemini. Women Lead is focused on empowering women and men to partner together to bridge the gender gap. Welcome to the Women in Digital podcast brought to you by Women Lead and Capgemini. I'm your host, Guy Nirathnika. On today's episode, we'll be talking about mindfulness in the workplace. Our guests include Christiana Navidian, Chief Relationship Officer for Capgemini's Accelerated Solutions Environment, and Sheila McEnany, founder of The Change Agency, a coaching and consulting firm that helps individuals and teams to change with purpose and thrive. Welcome, and thank you both for being on today's show. Thanks, Guyani. Thanks, Guyani. Glad to be here. Yeah. So great to have you. Okay, I'm going to start with the basics. What is mindfulness? You know, everyone has their own definition of what mindfulness is, and that's kind of the fun of um, exploring this topic. One of the things I really like to do is unpack exactly that question with groups of people. What is mindfulness to them? Because it's really something else, something to every, it's something different to everyone else. For me, I really look to the quote by Viktor Frankl, which is between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is the power to choose our response. And that response invokes our growth and our own freedom. So what that really means for me is that it's the ability to pay attention to the present moment without getting caught up in automatic thoughts and judgments and choosing our response. It's not about stopping our thoughts. It's not about some spacing out or having a religious or quick fix or relaxation exercise. It's really about being present with what is and what is can be a lot in that moment and then how we manage the that response. Um, Kay was saying that, you know, this is not some abstract concept, something that's really foreign. Um, it's just a basic part of being human. We all are mindful. It's just that it's a particular quality of mindfulness, a particular quality of attention. So rather than operating on autopilot, it's moving to being more intentional about our awareness. And, you know, I'd like to think about mindfulness in two different ways is uh, one is a dedicated practice. And that's probably something that most of us think about, you know, envisioning someone sitting cross-legged on a cushion and maybe dedicating 10, 20 minutes in the morning or in the evenings. And that has its place. But there's also integrated practices and integrated mindfulness. And that's really what I'm most curious about and uh, find most exciting. So throughout people's day, uh, you can take pauses that kind of break through that busyness and pull you back to what's really important uh, to you in the moment. So we hear about mindfulness I think everywhere now, I hear it on social media, there's articles being written about it. Why does it matter? 
Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I think it's a question that we are exploring in different ways. Um, through the, the research that I've really been looking through and pulling together a framework for me that makes sense on the benefits of what mindfulness is, I think there's five areas that I believe workplace mindfulness really provides leaders the ability to gain influence, which enables their organizations to carry out their mission and purpose more effectively. So those five are number one, leadership. How do we develop leaders who are more emotionally intelligent, empathetic, and inclusive? How do we get better leaders for the way that we're working today in highly dynamic, complex environments? And let's face it, today's virtual world is super hectic. So how do we how do we as leaders demonstrate and be good examples of high emotional intelligence and focus? The second is around innovation. The idea that coming from a beginner's mindset and open mind, which drives fresh ideas, new ways of thinking, I think is really important. And our Capgemini Accelerated Solutions environment is really focused on building that convergent, divergent thinking and allowing that divergent time to create curiosity and let that curiosity foster when we're trying to solve complex business problems. So that innovation, I think, le lends itself coming from that idea of an open and beginner's mindset. The third is around decision-making. And this really comes from how do we change the lens and perspective that we're coming from? How do we broaden it and create a wider point of view and invoke things like group genius, diversity of thought, and new ways of shifting our perspective? The fourth is around performance. So how do we increase our human-to-human -human interaction and, and ability to sustain focus on our goals, driving better performance? And then the, the last is really around well-being. How do we enable people to better manage our, our, their stress? We know that depression and anxiety are a $1 trillion per year lost productivity effect in, in um, the world. So how do we create a more healthier productive productive workplace to respond to such demands. Yeah, and Sheila, do you want to talk about more for me anyways as a as a mother of three kids, full-time job for me, I want to know why mindfulness would matter particularly now, right? During the pandemic, women are facing so many issues just balancing work and home. I know I'm living that. So why do why do we need to be mindful? So many people are in your situation and one of the the uh, sources that I've been reading lately is uh, a book by Beth Cabrera. Uh, uh, she wrote the book Beyond Happy, and she believes that women need mindfulness even more than men do. And the two reasons that she cites um, kind of map a little bit to what Kay was talking about. Um, the first is that women multitask slightly more than men, and. Uh, I'm sure, Gayani, as you're balancing a lot of things in your life, you can relate to that. Absolutely. Uh, you don't need the, the research to support it. You're living it. Uh, <laughs> and then also, um, women worry more than men. So this gets to that well-being that Kay was talking about. Uh, they're twice as likely as men to suffer from anxiety. So I think with being in this pandemic, 
both of those things have been really heightened. So think about multitasking, you know, more people working from home, they're really engaging in managing their family as well as trying to address their work, uh, work tasks. And the, the problem with multitasking, you know, it's often something we're proud of. I can handle a lot of things, but there is a lot of research that supports that it can negatively perform, um, affect your performance. So we are less efficient, less effective, and actually more likely to make mistakes when we do multitask. And even to build on that is the more that you multitask, the more uh, difficulty you have in filtering out distractions. So that kind of makes sense. You know, that you're, you're, you know, you're able to be, uh, have your attention pulled in so many different directions, really distracted by everything. And related to multitasking, again, the difference between men and women is that one study shows that men typically do one and a half things at a time. Whereas women, especially mothers, uh, do closer to five. And when you think about that number, this was based on a study that was before COVID. So there's just an enormous amount of pressure on women related to multitasking and, uh, and really having some impact not only on uh, their work performance, but then the second piece is anxiety. So, uh, you know, that increase in distractions, feeling overwhelmed, can really up everyone's stress. And that can have physical as well as psychological impacts. And so, you know, the good news is that being more mindful, being more present can really help uh, reverse both of these negative impacts, you know, both the multitasking as well as lowering the anxiety. What do you say to those people who are still skeptical about mindfulness? Are they out there? <laughs> do they really exist? I mean, we see so much um, just evidence that mindfulness helps, right? Just what you were saying about stress. And, you know, for me, just taking a deep breath and, you know, locking myself in the bathroom for a few minutes and just taking those moments to myself so I can recenter myself really help. Um, are the people out there that are still skeptical about mindfulness? And what do you say to those people? What's interesting about answering this question now is I think it's a different answer that now than it was a, five years ago than it was 10 years ago. I think it's a growing topic. And, you know, as you said, the buzz is out there. It's all over the place. And I think we're becoming more consciously aware of the benefits of mindfulness. But the truth is, it's been in the business world since the 1970s. And it's not really, a. It, to some people, they consider it a soft, touchy, feely type of thing. Um, but we're not talking about a spiritual practice or a religious practice here at work. Some people may have that in their personal life, but the focus here is really around the workplace that allows us to bring our present self to work, to every day, to each task, each decision that we make, and each complex idea or problem that we're trying to solve. So how do we bring our best self and our most present self to navigate today's waters? And Sheila just talked about today's waters are pretty difficult. So how do we how do we use this skill um, to be more present? So there's definitely hard science that backs the evidence of mindfulness. 
and that by practicing mindfulness decreases our judgmental uh, ways of thinking, allows us to be more present, and changes the brain waves so that we are able to to navigate things easier. Um, what I would say that is that organizations may not use the word mindfulness. They may use words like emotional intelligence or attention awareness. And so again, it's reframed differently in different organizations. Um, and it's really thinking about maybe not that word specifically mindfulness, but what are the benefits that we get from having such a practice? Uh, how does that help us work smarter um, in our own organization? And are there any other benefits to being mindful? Yeah, I definitely have experienced myself that mindfulness uh, does allow me to work smarter, be more efficient. And I think one of the benefits is that it really allows us to cultivate a different way of being. And that may sound sort of out there, but I think when we think about the way that we typically uh, relate to work, there's you know, often two two modes of that. You know, the first is I'm going to brace and I'm going to just power through, bear down, get everything done as much as I can, uh, and then really believe that if I just work harder, everything's going to turn out okay. I'm going to get everything done that I need to. The other mode that people might be familiar with is collapse. So frankly, after you know, really pushing hard all day, uh, then you know, you've given it your all, you're exhausted. And so now I'm going to flop on the couch, uh, maybe binge watch Netflix or, you know, have your, uh, one of your favorite cocktails. And of course, that's describing my life, not Gayani, who's got several, several children. Uh, so, you know, between that brace and collapse, the, there is another way. And between those two extremes is more of a relaxed focus. And this is what many of us may call being in the flow. Uh, and, and I think one of the things that mindfulness is allows us to do is to find that place, to be really present, engaged with whatever is uh, in front of us. And so I think that really has a huge impact on how much we want to go to work. So our level of you know satisfaction, our level of engagement with what we do. And also one of the things that we learn through mindfulness is we're not going to be in that flow state all the time. So you can, you know, there are going to be times where your attention wanders, where you get distracted, but learning and building that mental muscle of being able to notice, okay, I've moved my attention away and now I can just bring it back. So being able to, to have that ability to return to that state of flow, that relaxed focus can be really beneficial. What are organizations doing in the mindfulness space? There's some really really great examples out there. And I, I guess I'll just start by saying my own exploration in this topic um, started on the personal side, um, really with body work and yoga, um, and probably even before what I knew what mindfulness was, um, but really being present. And then I did readings with different authors. 
and really got excited by what in particular at the time Google was doing. And Google had implemented a mindfulness tool within their organization that intentionally was focused on how do they create better products? How are they truly mindful? How are their developers mindful? How are their engineers mindful in developing that product? And that work um, excelled so well that they actually built a team that developed this training and actually then left Google and now is doing mindfulness training for organizations all over. So I thought that that was really fascinating to see. And some other really cool examples are companies like SAP who have implemented a mindfulness practice in their L&D team, so their learning and development, and as well as their leadership team. Um, and it just continues to grow. So HP, Hewlett Packard's doing it, um, Aetna's doing it, Microsoft is, and it really varies uh, where the mindfulness practice is developed and where it's grown. For some, it's within their L&D department. For some, it's part of the leadership program. Um, and others, it's part of a CXO operating guidelines to how their team works. And it's pretty exciting that uh, at Capgemini, where we have been, I'd say, dipping our toe in the mindfulness water for the last year or so, and excited to be launching a mindfulness program teaching people how to hold the space for mindful conversations with our employees, with our clients, with our ecosystem of and understanding where's the benefit in adding one of these conversations into a project or into a team or into a program and understanding how to in integrate that within a program. What advice or suggestions would you give to anyone wanting to start their own mindfulness journey? I would say start small. <laughs> As Sheila said earlier, it's not about sitting on a cushion for 15 minutes, half hour, an hour. Um, start small. There's some great small micro practices that folks can do that are short. Um, I would say, secondly, bring yourself into the circle of compassion with self-compassion. Um, we know that mastery of any one thing is 10,000 hours. And so the expectation that you're going to be a master off the bat is probably not realistic. So how to, how to start small and just whether it's taking a moment to walk away from a heated conversation or taking a moment in between our back-to-back -back crazy virtual call days and stepping outside when you can for a fresh breath of fresh air. Um, and just practicing a practice that is easy for you. Uh, there's some great apps out there like Headspace, Calm, and Insight Timer. Um, there's a great book. Um, by Michael H. Dickman and Nancy Stanford Blair around mindful leadership and the brain-based framework. Um, and we actually have a great book that one of our, our Capgemini Altron colleagues has written around Happiness Beyond Mind by Rajesh Singma Du. Um, so those are some of the things I would suggest. Sheila, I'm sure you have some good ideas as well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love all the the things you offered, and maybe something that's uh, a immediate uh, thing that someone could take up if you're interested is something I often suggest when I'm working with uh, 
leaders coaching them is to do a mindfulness audit. So just for a week or two weeks, simply observe your life. Step back and uh, take the time to think, uh, to observe when you're multitasking, you know, when you're, mul you're doing rapid switching between projects. And th those types of distractions might include your digital distractions, family members, pets, uh, but also your physical environment. So, so many of us are working from home right now, and we all know that pile of laundry that's sitting in the corner can be a burden, it can kind of weigh on us. Uh, and so once you've spent some time observing, noticing where those distractions are, then take a little bit of time to just look at those and see what are some of the things that you learn, what are some of the patterns that emerge for you? You know, what are the, the hot spots for distractions, some of your least mindful moments? And then you know, put a plan into action. And for me personally, having done this myself, uh, I turned off the alerts from my newsfeed. And I swear that I got back so many minutes every day because I was one of those people. I'd see it pop up, interesting headline, and I might click on the article. And 10 minutes later, I realized that I had uh, not been focusing on the, the project that was in front of me. Uh, and so, so there's a lot of ways that you can use that information. It's very personal to you and your situation, but really the, the basic uh, goal of this exercise is to help you begin to build your awareness of where are there moments where you're really mindful. It might be when you're eating dinner with your family. That might be a moment that you really are very present and mindful, but then also for those areas where you're not as mindful, it helps just reconnect you with your own sense of agency. So you can choose where you put your attention, where you uh, focus your energy moment by moment. And usually just these simple act of doing this, it's a little bit like spring cleaning, you know, where you're, you're decluttering, getting rid of the things that uh, no longer serve you. And of course there might be a few items that you had in the, the goodwill pile, but you may want to pull back out, you know, before you send things out. And, and for sure, that's going to happen. But I really experienced in the clients that I've had go through this, uh, that you learn so much about what was that automatic responses, uh, and then are able to move more towards awareness and choice. This has been so insightful. I really appreciate you both coming on today's episode and talking to us about this today. Christian, something you said at the very beginning really resonated with me, and it was that mindfulness is not about stopping our thoughts. Uh, and for me, I always feel like that's what it was, right? It was, you know, the the picture of someone meditating with a blank, you know, mind. And I always just felt like I could never attain that. So I didn't even try. Um, but just after hearing what you both have just said today, you know, it's taking those uh, moments. It's not a dedicated practice, but that integrated practice, Sheila, that you were talking about, those small moments in the day to just center yourself um, and just hold the space for mindful conversation. That's why we call it mindful practice, not mindful perfect. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you, so, Granny, for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank for you. Being here. 
Thank you to all of our listeners and for being on this journey with us. We want this podcast to provide a chance to connect with our audience, build valuable connections, and challenge everyday thinking on topics that affect women. Please share this podcast, hit subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode of Women in Digital. Thanks for tuning in to the Cap Gemini North America Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. This episode is from our employee resource group, Takeover Series. We hope you've enjoyed it. I'm Janet Pope, and on behalf of the North America Corporate Social Responsibility Team and all of our wonderful employee resource group leaders across the U.S. and Canada, I'd like to thank you for listening. Thank you.